It's the Ag Ship Podcast. I'm Patrick Mayhorn. I'm the creator of the Ag Ship. It is credentialed Utah State football, men's basketball, and women's basketball coverage straight to your inbox for $6 a month. Uh, you can subscribe at www.theagship.com. Any new listeners this week as we get into basketball season, welcome. Um, this is probably not your typical, not what you would expect typically from a uh, a... Uh, an outlets podcast about the the results of the games that I cover. Um, I don't have a co-host. I don't usually get guests on. Um, I record these at about right now it's 10:30 at night. I record these uh, pretty late in the day. Um, once I have had time to r- sort of ruminate on what I have seen and what I'm talking about, if I'm recapping a game, uh, if I'm previewing a game, it will uh, it varies when these are going to come out. Um, I'm going to try and do uh, as we are. Uh, pulling uh, triple duty here with with football and the basketball seasons and try and do two of these a week obviously one for football recap one for football preview will continue but i'm also going to include within those basketball recap and basketball preview uh for those respective episodes so this episode will be recapping it's i say recapping it's not an appropriate word because i'm not really recapping it i'm not telling you what happened. I'm giving my thoughts on it and and what I saw. Um, Talking about Utah State's win on the football field over New Mexico, uh, Utah State women's basketball team's win over College of Idaho, and the men's basketball team's win over Utah Valley. A lot of winning. A lot of winning going on in Logan. It was a good weekend for Utah State. Um, And so that's what this podcast usually is, if you're new. If you're not new, I apologize for the background. Um, But Everybody, every podcast is someone's first, and this could very well be someone's first uh, first listen to the podcast. So it's sort of a uh, a stream of consciousness, consciousness, just what I saw, what I heard, what I think, what I think moving forward, um, what I learned. It's as uh, much an exercise for me of talking through my thoughts after games as it is providing content, which is probably not something I should say, but. Eh, I said it. <laughs> You're already listening. It's uh, it's as helpful for me, hopefully, as it is for all of you. We can we can think of this as as Utah State therapy, basically. We're gonna talk through what we saw. We're gonna talk about our feelings about it, and we're going to uh, get it out and move forward, and not have to talk about it anymore. Move forward to previews. Move forward to things of that nature. I am currently doing that for content. I am on to previews. Uh, at www.theagship.com for three games. Men's basketball is playing Bradley. Women's basketball is playing Southeastern Louisiana, both on Friday. Um, and the football team, of course, is going to Hawaii for a late-night game on Saturday. I'm working on previews for all three of those games. Uh, depth chart for the football game is out now. Uh, if you are interested in coverage of the games that happened this past weekend, you should also check out the website because I have a men's basketball notebook that went up today as I record this on Wednesday. Uh, yesterday, I put up a women's basketball cover as well as the football notebook. On uh, Monday was the football cover story. That might have been Sunday. I don't remember when it was. It went up at some point. Um, the football cover story, there has been... Photography posts for all of these games as well. Free photos for for everybody to look at. Um, Probably more that I'm forgetting. It has been 
it has been one of those uh, one of those weekends, one of those early weeks. I have been extremely busy. I have been swamped. I apologize that the podcast has not been out until now, but I had not had a chance to rewatch these games until today uh, and, and really put together my thoughts on them. I had not really had a moment to actually sit down and record until today, if I'm being honest. I've just, it's been busy. It's been, it's been that, it's that time of year. It's going to be busy for the next couple of weeks until things settle down. Um, I also apologize for not getting a film review up this week for football. I have two reasons for that. One is the aforementioned busyness. It's just, it's it's really hard to put those things together. It takes a lot of time to put those things together, and I just don't have the time this week. And two, um, as I'm going to talk about here, I'm going to start with the football game. If I'm being honest... I don't have a whole lot to say about this. I, th- I think that what there is to say about Utah State's 27-10 to 10 victory over New Mexico pushes it to 4-5 and five on the season. Is that right? 4-5? and five? Yeah, 4-5 and five on the season. Um, I, I think that it's pretty well contained in the cover story in the notebook. I, I think that the story of this game was pretty apparent live. I think that it was pretty apparent in the in the aftermath as I was writing those stories and and I was sifting through today trying to find something to break down trying to find something that I thought was interesting from the film and the the interesting stuff I think was the special team stuff and I already broke that down in the cover story and I I didn't feel like it was worth rehashing Um, there were a couple things that I thought about doing rushing attack being one of them but we are at the point in the season where I kind of feel like I'm repeating myself on a lot of this stuff, and and they sort of just are what they are. Uh, Utah State is. I think that Utah State is sort of just is what it is at this point. There's there's not a ton of improving left to do. There are three games left, and a lot of the stuff that I was going to write about issues or strengths are things I've been writing about already. I was thinking about doing something on the rushing attack and I found myself writing it and, and uh, feeling like I was saying the same things that I've been saying all year. And that's, I mean, that's a decent enough place to start is with the, with the offense and with the rushing attack. It wasn't very good. It was, it was nasty weather. It was not, it was not great conditions for throwing the football around, but, uh, Utah state also didn't run it especially well. And I was, I was going to look into that, but basically what I found is that they can't really run to the outside, um, for whatever reason. I think that there are a couple, uh, and then running into the box didn't work a whole lot better. They, they ran 47 times for 131 yards on the net. Granted, that's with some sacks, um, but it, it, it still wasn't good. It, it still was not It was not a positive day for the offensive line, I don't think. Cooper Legault was sacked four times, I want to say. Um, average 2.8, they, as a team, averaged 2.8 yards per carry. Robert Briggs was up at eight, or was up at 4.3. He was, he was the bright spot. He was honestly, he was what I was going to write about in the, uh, who I was going to write about in the, in the film review, but I just didn't, I don't know. I didn't feel like I had anything to add beyond Robert Briggs is good. And like, we know that we know that Robert Briggs is good. Um, his decisiveness, his quickness, his top end speed, physicality, balance, all of it is a positive, and I think it's needed in the offense. I think that they need to be playing him more than they are, and it seems like you might get that chance this week as Calvin Tyler Jr. is in concussion protocol. Calvin Tyler Jr. is a very good running back, but I, I think that with this this line seemingly suffering from some late season fatigue is is kind of how I'm reading it. Um, 
I think that Briggs is his immediacy is is necessary and valuable for the rushing attack, and I think that you saw some of that in the second half. He was able to have some success. Now, Utah State in this game specifically had a lot of issues with New Mexico's front because it stunts on pretty much every play, and Utah State just did not know how to handle that. Just did not know how to block it. Was not blocking it well. Uh, really struggled with it on the ground especially uh those those outside runs were getting just clogged up before the running back could ever get a, get to a lane inside runs you had guys just not accounted for it's you know six on four six on five with the offensive line against the box and there's still a guy not accounted for because of stunts um i expected better honestly from the preparation i'm i was kind of surprised at how poorly i thought the offense executed given I mean, Blake Anderson knows Rocky Long pretty, pretty well. I think. I think that this is a, this is not a surprise to that the, that they do that. That they were stunting. That they were running the three three five. Rocky Long will tell you that he's going to do that. He's. I mean, he's been doing that for thirty years now, and so I was. I was kind of. I was. I was a bit disappointed with that. I was expecting a little bit better there. The passing attack. It's hard for me to harp on too much because again, it was. It was not pleasant out. Um, I, I will compliment. Uh, Terrell Vaughn, who continues to be the best receiver on the team, he is he is fantastic, very very talented player, very good. He has he has uh, found his spot in this offense, and I think that next season, uh, hopefully around a uh, with a improved receiving core around him, I think that he will uh, he'll be able to start. I think he has another year left, right? Who's to say? Impossible to know. <laughs> can't I can't possibly be asked to look it up right now. I think he has a year left. I'm gonna. I'm gonna vamp and check real quick. I'm 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 pretty sure it's tough with the JUCO guys because you never really you never really know, <laughs> I guess, what they have left, especially with COVID stuff. I don't know if that applies to the JUCO level. I don't know if that was just an NCAA specific thing. I don't uh, I don't I don't know. Let me let me look. He's listed as a junior right now, so I'm gonna say that he has at least one more year left. Um, and uh, if I'm wrong on that, uh, this is not me reporting it, and it's uh, a joke. <laughs> it was a joke. I wasn't serious. But if he does have another year, I was right. Um, I think he has another year. He's gonna be good. If he if he has another year, he'll be very good. He's already very good. He is an extremely valuable part of the passing attack, and honestly, the only receiver who I trust on a a game by game basis. Brian Cobbs has his moments, um, but I think Terrell Vaughn is the only one who has been like consistent this season. Uh, he is good. He should be an even larger focal point of the offense. I think that they have come to that realization as the season has developed. Uh, but I don't have a ton to say about the passing attack. The offensive line, the blocking was not great, but also Cooper Legault was afraid to throw the football because of how windy it was. And so he was he was bailing out of plays before he really had any reason to. Um, the rushing attack, though, is, is concerning. It, it's uh, I said in the notebook, I think, that it is not yet at like red alert status but it's approaching that it is it is approaching worrying the offensive line given its performances in the last two games we've seen it in uh the wyoming game was not good obviously for the offensive line and this was really not a game where it should be losing uh, up front and it was uh utah state was not really able to establish anything offensively it was a pretty disappointing performance from the offense um and uh yeah i, I just i was not I was not terribly impressed. I was expecting a lot better from the offense than I saw. I think that it has been kind of a whole year of that now, and it's it's been sort of whack-a-mole where whenever they get something fixed, a new problem 
you know, crops up. It's, uh, oh, passing attack is getting better with Cooper Lega. Now the offensive line can't keep him upright. Oh, rushing attack is getting better now that Lega can, can help equate numbers better. Oh, they can't block to the perimeter. It's, it's been, it's been kind of one thing after another. Um, and I'm, I'm coming to the conclusion here <laughs> as we, as we enter game 10 of this season, I'm coming to the conclusion that Utah State is probably just not going to not going to figure it out on offense that there's always going to be a different thing that pops up. Um, is that going to be, I mean, is that fully limiting? No, they've, they've won games this season without being perfect offensively. Uh, I think that they can continue to do that with the schedule that they have down the stretch. There's not a game that I think that they can't win in these last three. They need to be better obviously to beat the the last two, but I, I think that, Having a couple issues offensively, even if they're relatively major issues, is not going to be the end of the world as long as they are executing correctly on the things that they are good at, which they didn't really do here. Um, blame the weather, blame whatever you want, but I, I think that the execution has to be better. And I think that they're, uh, honestly, I don't know what the solution is. I don't think that there's a player change. I don't think that's personnel. I think it's just one of those things his team is just not not executing at the level that it would need to offensively to uh, reach the standards that it set for itself last season obviously and there is some talent problems I think at wide receiver specifically but it's uh, I don't know the rushing attack should be better than it is and it, it was better at one point in the season but it seems like they have uh, maybe suffered like I said some fatigue issues on the offensive line because it's not been good recently it wasn't good against Wyoming either um it wasn't good against Colorado State and uh, that one you know you could put on injuries and, and you could put Wyoming somewhat on injuries but this one was not an excuse they they the the weather does not impact running the ball they should have been able to run the ball here and they couldn't um defensively not a ton to say uh, either uh, you, you know, struggled in the first half with Nate Jones. He's a big physical running back. He was bouncing off of guys. This is a unique offense. It's difficult to prepare for. It didn't seem like Utah State was fully ready for it, specifically in the uh, kind of the main place where you need to be ready for the option, which is at linebacker, which makes sense because they were without MJ Tafisi, and in his place were a pair of freshmen in Sione Moa and Max Alford. Alford finished the game with eight tackles, had 1.5 TFL. I think he came around in the second half, had some some personal fouls that uh, Blake Anderson was not happy about, not happy about to the extent where he mentioned it probably three or four times in talking to the media. Um, he was not pleased with those those penalties. Um, but I, I thought that the, the young linebackers sort of settled in in the second half. They were not super disciplined in the first half. They were over-pursuing. It looked a lot like game one, if I'm being honest. The rush defense issues looked a lot like the UConn game. Um, and they were coming from players who were inexperienced, which makes sense. It, it, it aligns well with the UConn game and, and giving up those those yards on the ground. And it was a similar thing. I would not worry about it long-term. I think that as long as MJ Tafisi can eventually return, Utah State's run defense will be fine. Now, without MJ Tafisi, it's a different story, but there's no real point in spending a whole lot of time on that because we don't know his status, and it's just what's the point in, in hypothesizing about it. He will probably return at some point this season. It seems like he's working his way back. Uh, I would guess he will be back in time for the two games that Utah State would need him for. Um, 
that yeah I, I i don't know what else i would say about it i think that he will i think he'll be back and i think that the rushing defense will be fine as long as he is healthy with the young guys it struggles a little bit they they've rounded into form in the second half i think that the defensive line was really really strong down the stretch especially in the fourth quarter they just shut the game down um but the the first half was uh, largely, I think, inexperience. That uh, seemed to be the, the biggest issue for me. Um, defensively, not a whole lot not a whole lot else to say. Defensive line, like I said, I thought played really well in the fourth quarter and, and pretty much ended the game. Uh, Ike Larson, as well, I, I mentioned in the notebook. Um, he's excellent. He re- uh, There's really... I cannot accurately or appropriately compliment Ike Larson. Uh, I, I can't do him justice for how young he is and how green he is he's you know been facing injuries this season all this stuff um he has no business being as good as he is already he is fantastic fantastic football player just just excellent does everything right absolutely does everything right i i i'm sure he has I've not seen Ike Larson make more than maybe three or four mistakes this entire season. And he, I have, I, I could not be more impressed with him. A redshirt freshman doing this, that's a hard position to play, safety. Um, he's picking up man coverage assignments. He's, he's taking on zone assignments. He's crashing down and defending runs in the backfield as a safety. He he's fantastic. He's almost he's blocking punts. He's getting in there almost blocking punts pretty much every time the opposing team punts. It's uh, he is a he's a game changer. He's a playmaker. He's a game changer in every sense of the word. He changes the way that you can play defensively. Um, Utah State should be should feel extremely extremely grateful to have him for the long term to know that he's going to be a leader on that defense for probably three more years is a is a blessing for utah state um and also that he is a local kid and that they probably don't have to worry about him going anywhere else uh it's huge he's a fantastic player he is an all he's an he's an all mountain west caliber player this year he's certainly going to be one down the road i think he is an all-american kind of guy by the time his senior year rolls around there there's really not any doubt in my mind he he is ike larson's going to get drafted when his time comes and he's going to get drafted pretty high he's he's a very very good player if he has a healthy career which i i pray he does because i really want to see what he can do um that kid is going to be something special he is absolutely going to be something special i i that is rare talent that utah state has there i hope that they nurture it correctly because he is uh He's different. He's just different. He just is. I don't know how else to say it. He's just different. Um, fantastic player. Really, really special talent. Uh, I think that's all I have on the defense, though. Special teams is obviously the story here. I've written about it at length. Um, full credit, complete credit to Bobby Dodd, the quality control coach for special teams, and Nick Perimsky, the special teams coordinator, for an excellent game plan here. They coached circles around James. J- what is his name? Jamie Christian. I think is the is the the New Mexico special teams coordinator. <laughs> Just the thing to know off the top of your head. Um, I think it's Jamie Christian is his name. He's been doing this for a while, and they had him on the ropes. They had him on the ropes. They they came in, they punched him right in the mouth. Um, they schemed up both of those trick plays beautifully. It was perfect. I, I think it was really really smart coaching what they saw there and what they did there. Those designs very simple. Not trying to do too much, not trying to make it too fancy, just 
they saw it on film. They saw what New Mexico does. They saw in the punts that New Mexico only has two guys to, to rush the punter and that they wouldn't be able to accommodate for four blockers. They couldn't answer four blockers. They have three guys maximum who would be even in the area. I think that was great. Yeah, it was just really, really smart design. And then the field goal, recognizing that uh, New Mexico likes to move its linebackers away to the field and then stunt in the boundary uh, from a, from an interior player to get to the outside to try and overload the outside protection and recognizing that there was a vacancy, that there was a gap in the in the specialty in the 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 kick blocking defense and to design a play specifically for that. It was great. It's great. That's great coaching. Great, great coaching. Great execution. Not a whole lot else to say about it. They won the game for Utah State. And the special teams did with Jamie Nance's muff punt recovery, with the the pair of fakes. Um, they they absolutely they won the game for Utah State. And then Hunter Reynolds ended it there at the end. Also very very strong player, obviously. But um, yeah, not a whole lot else to say about it. Kind of a weird game. One that you don't. Not not one that you necessarily you need to just wash out and 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 bury because I mean it's a win Utah State's happy with a win. There's no, there's once again there's no such thing as an ugly win. It was a fun game. I, I think that there's things to take from it, but I I don't know that there's like a whole lot. I think that this is this is a pretty self-contained thing, save for maybe some concerns about the rushing attack. But we'll see. We'll we'll see how that how that holds up against Hawaii. Um, I'm going to move now to the women's basketball game, which is next up uh, chronologically. They played at 3 p.m. on Monday uh, for their season opener of year three under head coach Kayla Ard. They won 75-58 to over College of Idaho. Um, bit of an unbalanced performance. They started the game up 26-11, to and then uh, down the stretch, they only won the last... Doing the math here in my head right now. Um, they only won the last three quarters by what is that? Two points? <laughs> I can't do the math in my head. Yeah, two points. It looks like they won the last three quarters by two points. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I'm so bad at math. There's a reason I'm a writer. I get. Yeah, I think it was two points. It looks like it was two points. Um, very very strong start to this game. I think it was. 14 to 2 at one point is 18 to 2 at one point it was a it was a romp early on 21 to 4 with two minutes left in the first quarter uh the full court press was giving college college of idaho all sorts of problems to start this game i think utah state had seven steals or, or at least there were seven turnovers within those for those first eight minutes um College of Idaho just could not maintain possession, certainly could not get shots on, on the net. Um, offense was was disjointed. Utah State just just had them in a headlock from, from the start. Really, they were ready to play. I was impressed with the energy. I was impressed with their, their preparedness coming out. I thought that they had a good game plan, and they executed it very early on, and they were able to, I mean, pretty much end the game eight minutes in. It was, this was not a team that was capable of coming back from down 17, and Utah State got up and just sort of sat on it. Just were fine with it, you know, comfortable just just holding on to that lead. And there, therein lies sort of the concern coming out of this game is that 
Utah State did not really extend on that lead into the game by uh, with a 17-point margin. And there were times I think it got to as much as 24, uh, dropped to as low as 14. It was always kind of in that range. But Utah State didn't pull away after the first quarter. It, it sort of... It settled into the game a little bit. The press stopped functioning at such a high level. The turnovers dropped off. Um, Utah State cooled down shooting-wise. They were 53% from the field in the first quarter, 4 of 6 from 3, and then 27.8%, 36.8%, 35.7% from the field in the next three quarters. Um, I, I would guess that the shooting is probably going to be better Usually it was it was pretty good from three. They shot thirty nine point one percent from three. I think that the the shooting from the field is probably going to be better moving forward. I don't think that this was representative um, of of Utah State's actual shooting ability. I think they just they had a cold second quarter and it kind of it kind of threw them for the rest of the game. Uh, and they also had it seemed like maybe some fatigue problems, some staying focused on the game problem. Not focused necessarily, but. Uh, the 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 phrase that Kayla Ard used was satisfied. It seemed like they were satisfied at times. I would agree with that. I think that that's fair. Um, and that's you know his first game of the season. They had a huge lead. I, I get it. I understand where they're coming from. Obviously, can't have that if you're Utah State. You would like to avoid that, but I it's not the end of the world. I think that that is a a pretty simple fix and, and something that you can learn from moving forward. Like I said in the in the cover story, valuable thing to learn from in this game where they won. They were never seriously challenged on that lead, but they can still take a lot of stuff from this, take a lot of film and, and, and learn more about the team and learn more about the kind of adjustments that they need to make moving forward to avoid having this happen against maybe a better team, against a team that is competent enough to pull off a comeback or maybe competent enough that you can't get out to that large of a lead to start the game. Um, and I, I think that that is a, a, absolutely a valuable lesson for a team to learn. Uh, you know, a new-look team team with uh, that's, that's still trying to learn how to play together, I, I think that that is totally uh, valid. I think that that's a, a, a helpful thing to learn. Um as for individual contributors, obviously the story of the game here was Cristino Oliva, 5 of 8 from the field, 5 of 7 from 3, uh, also hit both of her free throws, 5 rebounds, uh, 17 points on the game in 28 minutes. This was the Cristina Oliva who I think we were kind of promised this offseason. Promised might not be the right word, but who we were expecting, who I was expecting. Uh, this is what she this is what she does. This is what she did uh, before coming to Utah State. This is why she was recruited to Utah State. She is a a fantastic shooter. Fantastic shooter. Extremely strong shooter from deep um one of the best shooting forms i said it on i said it on twitter one of the best shooting forms that you're gonna see in in college basketball just smooth as silk could not be better looks like it was built in the lab it's it's really fun to watch her shoot the ball and they were going in today they are on monday they weren't going in in the exhibition but um that is not reflective she's a very good shooter i think she's going to be a lot of fun to watch this season very very talented scorer uh and a, a player who i think utah state is very excited to have um 
Also near the top of the score chart here, score chart, not a phrase, stat line, uh, Maria Carvalho, uh, who 7 of 18 from the field, 2 of 3 from 3, uh, 9 boards, 4 assists, 3 steals, 16 points. Well-rounded performance from her. would like to see a little bit more efficiency shooting. She kind of uh, not disappeared in the second half, but I, I think she was a little less active in the second half after a pretty... Uh, active start to the game. Um, but once she settled in, I thought she played really well. She started this game fantastically. She had all three of those steals in the first eight minutes, I think. She was sort of leading the charge on the full-court press. She is the the engine for Utah State's defense. It's ridiculous that she had nine rebounds because she's the smallest player on the floor. Uh, but that is that is absolutely, that's just her game. That's what she does. Uh, huge effort huge hustle, uh, really the, the kind of the beating heart of the team, beating heart of the defense, telling players where to be, getting everybody in the right position, uh, directing the press. She is, uh, she is what we, what we expected. I think she, she, that's, that's what she did, uh, all the years coming up to this year. And that's what she's going to do this year. Excellent defender excellent player to have as a point guard as a leader for your team i think that utah state is very lucky to have her and uh will benefit quite a bit from that this season um next up here mason kimball didn't really have a ton of thoughts on her not a great game shooting wise uh she was able to contribute in a couple spots elsewhere but she had some foul trouble only played 21 minutes Uh, i think that this was not a super fair representation of what she can do because this was her first game in the spectrum she did not play in the exhibition um and so this was her first game with the lights on and in a, in a in an actual game environment i would guess that the jitters will be out for her and that she can move forward she's a good shooter she's a, she's a good scorer this was not not uh not fully representative of what she can do um abby wall was good i think i'm going to say that a lot this year abby wall was good uh four of seven from the field nine points five boards uh two assists one steal good in the paint good paint defense um she's good She's good. Super reliable. Super, super reliable down there. Uh, Tamaya Robinson, uh, a bit of an off night for her. 2 of 10 from the field, but she was still able to contribute elsewhere, which I think is a really good sign. Um, she's not just a scorer. In fact, she did a lot of other things back before uh, transferring to Utah State, back when she was at Labette uh, Community College. She was she was a good passer, good defender. She is a good passer, a good defender. Um, her, her offensive gravity extends beyond hitting shots she can she can move the defense around even when she's not shooting especially well and also she's usually going to shoot pretty well i wouldn't worry about it i think this was still a pretty strong game from her even without the shots falling um of the bench players was surprised to see prima cellis as much as we did 10 points from her five steals five rebounds um I thought she played really well. I was impressed. I, I did not think that we were going to see a ton of her this year. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see how much she sticks in the lineup when someone like Ashaya Klopfenstein is back. She didn't play in this game. Natalie Fraley also didn't play in this game. So I'm curious to see where Prima stands with their returns. But she played 25 minutes here compared to you know, three from Olivia Mason. And I, I was I was pretty sure Olivia Mason was going to be, if not a starter, certainly one of the first off the bench in the post, and she wasn't. So I, I wonder if 
if Chellis is just going to be a uh, a consistent rotation player. If so, I, I think it's you know great for her, obviously, and exciting for for Utah State because she looked good here. She she played that free safety role in the press really well, obviously with the five steals. She is a a really helpful force to have in the post. She's she's strong, but she's able to stay in control. She's a good defender. Um, shooting was not anything to really write home about, but five uh, five shots at the free, free at the free throw stripe is good you want to see that kind of rate from uh from a player down and low and you want to see them able to hit it and she hit four or five uh good game from her good start was not expecting to see uh was not expecting to see her this much but i thought that she handled herself well um not a whole lot else here for me on the stat line i think overall as a game uh utah state Plenty to be happy about here, plenty to be excited about getting that first win, but also plenty to learn from, and that, like I said in the cover story, is exactly what you want from game one. That's perfect. That is perfect. There are plenty of coaching points, plenty that you can work on, but uh, enough to be happy about, enough to be excited about getting that first win with a new team, and then move forward now into more competitive games, including one on Friday against Southeastern Louisiana at 3 p.m. If you're available, you should come on out. It's a good time. They're, uh, they're worth watching. Um, hoping to see more people in the stands as the season develops. These 3 p.m. games during the week are uh, rough, I'll say. That's, I don't blame you <laughs> if you have a job. I get it. Not everybody is uh, is sitting on the side, is sitting on the, the baseline taking photos of these games. Some people have to do actual work, uh, unlike me. <laughs> but if you have the availability, uh, it's a good time. I would recommend it if you're, if you're in the area, um, especially if you have like young kids who you think are, are, you know, interested in sports, uh, but maybe also like to, to walk around a little bit to roam. I know how young kids are at, at sporting events. Um, if, if you, you want a, uh, you know, a, a nice, a nice environment to introduce young kids, or maybe you have a, a big group of kids or, or any, any just, just kid related sporting events. If you're, you're trying to get your kid into live sports and you want, a nice first step. I think that Utah State women's basketball games are a really good option for you. I, I think I, I really, I think that it's a, a, a fun team to follow. I think that they're going to be a really easy team to get invested in. Very likable team, uh, players wise, and 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 I, I think that you know, for 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 the adults attending, I think that that's that's plenty. You know, you can have a lot of storylines to follow. I think they're going to be, like I said, a fun team to keep track of and to, to watch this season. They play a fun style of basketball, very up-tempo, um, play with pace. They play with the, the full court press. They do all that stuff. Uh, they shoot the ball well. They shoot the ball a lot from, from downtown. And then also, like I said, you know, good chance to have the kid walk around see uh see see the arena it's a cool arena um it's uh it's it's not it's not going to be packed it's not going to be too loud it's 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 just i think it's a good environment if you are looking for a looking for a way to uh, get the family involved with with sporting events i would recommend it obviously it would be great if down the road utah state is able to have a really, really strong environment for these games. And I, I really, I really hope that that's the case. I would love to see it. I would love to see a, a, a big, a big game atmosphere, a big game crowd for this team. Cause I think they deserve it. Um, every, every team deserves that, that chance to play for their fans. And I hope that as the season develops and they start to play at more normal times, we will see bigger crowds than we did for this one. Uh, but for now, 
if you're just looking for an introduction to sports for a young family member or i mean if you just want a nice way to spend an afternoon <laughs> you don't you don't have to bring anybody you could just just hang out you can come say hi i'll be i'll be down there on the baseline um i stick out like a sore thumb i'm the only person under 60 on the baseline usually um and uh, i'm also one of the only people in the arena with tattoos who's not playing in the game so uh say hi i'd i'd, I'd love to meet you i'd love to uh I'd love to chat, and uh, I know Utah State would love to have you for those games, and I'm, I'm hoping to hoping to see more people moving forward. It's a good time. I would recommend it. Um, all right, moving on here. Men's basketball. Going to round us out. 75-58 over Utah Valley. Uh, impressive win, honestly. A, a win that checked a lot of boxes for Utah State, I think, where you have the, the going back and forth for a lot of the first half, and then they go on that run near the end of the first half to extend the lead to 13, I think, going into the break. And then you see the lead dwindle again in the second half, and they pull away a second time. And... In both of those runs, you see a lot of things that this team has been looking for. You saw in the first one, really strong shooting. You saw Taylor Funk knocking down a three from the logo, which is ridiculous. This guy's six foot nine. He's a power forward. Knocking down a logo three. <laughs> 18 points, 14 rebounds, and a logo three. Come on. <laughs> that guy's ridiculous. Man alive, is he good. Wow. He's really good. He's really, really good. He's better than I thought he was going to be. And I thought he was going to be really good. <laughs> what, a, what a fun player to watch. Really, really fun to watch him. Um, you have Sean Barstow hitting two threes. He, he hit one during that stretch as well. He worked on his shooting all offseason. I think it showed up pretty, uh, pretty, pretty much you know, throughout this game, he was hitting shots. He was hitting mid-range shots. He was hitting pull-ups. He was hitting those threes. I don't imagine he's going to shoot 100% from three all season, knock down two a game, but uh, that he was confident enough to take those two, and then he knocked them down is a great sign for Utah State. I think you got to be really happy to see that if you're the, if you're the Aggies. Um, and so you have that in that first stretch run where you see that they can score a lot of points in, in a short period of time, that they can knock down those shots, that they can get into that kind of flow state. And then in the second half, you know they pull they pull away late with I think the benefit of really good defense. Um, they shut down Trey Woodbury near the end of this game. Z Hamoda specifically. I'm going to shout out Z Hamoda, who didn't do a ton on the stat sheet. It's not going to show up a ton on the stat sheet, but he was on Trey Woodbury, who is a a, a, a whack player of the year candidate. All whack guy in 2020 2021. Very very good shot creator. Very difficult guy to guard. Um, Zihamoto is probably three or four inches taller than him and, and certainly not as fast. And he had no issue, no issue down the stretch covering that kid. None. He was great. He was great. He passed him off when he needed to, but he stuck with him, kept his arms up, made shots difficult for him. Um, Max Shulga as well, fantastic on defense against Trey Woodbury. He, granted, he played 19 minutes. He had foul trouble, but he was 4 of 12. He had 8 points. This is an electric scorer. This is a guy who can put 25 on you easily, and Utah State shut him down. Utah State shut him down with two of the youngest players on its roster. Max Shulga was making one of his first ever starts, starting on season opener. 
he's really made a huge step this offseason into that role. We thought it was going to go to RJ Idlerock, and instead it goes to Shulga. And he, I thought, had a had a pretty good performance offensively. Had a couple really nice moments that I tweeted out clips of uh, with step backs off of pick and rolls. That is nasty. That is just nasty that he, what he's able to do on the on the dribble drive in the mid range. He's he is a tough guy to guard because he's so quick. He's just so quick. He's he's he's. Uh, it's it's hard to know what he's going to do because I don't know if he knows what he's going to do until he does it. Um, love watching that kid play. Really excited to see him this season. But regardless, this is a tough first assignment for him, and I thought he nailed it defensively. I thought he was involved. I thought he was engaged. I thought that he was up for the task. Woodbury had a couple tough shots with a hand in his face, but you know they didn't even foul him. They didn't even foul the kid. <laughs> Good goodness, that's a really, really good defensive performance on him. That uh, that caught my eye immediately. Was was how well those two handled that job, how seriously they took it, and how prepared it seemed like they were to to cover him. Um, really impressed with that. Impressed with the perimeter defense in general. None of Utah Valley's guards were really able to give Utah State a whole lot of trouble cam alford was able to get to the free throw line a lot but other than that there was really nothing from those guards that stood out the leading scorer was oh i don't know how to say this kid's name i don't want to mess up his name aziz ben ben bendogo bendogo i'm gonna look it up i'm gonna look it up i want to get his name right i'm gonna i'm already terrified of this uh this upcoming Hawaii preview because <laughs> I know I'm not going to get those right and I really try to I really try to get these correct um they've got no pronunciation guide on the website that's awesome good stuff guys really seems like they care over there um I apologize. I'd like to get his name right. I don't know how to say his name correctly. The center, number 55. He's the Akron transfer. He had a really good game. I I, uh, I feel bad that I don't know how to I don't know how to say his last name. Um, he's seven of nine from the field, six rebounds, 17 points. Uh, that is a little bit worrisome. How how much he was able to do in the post. It was not a great game for Dan Atkin. I thought he was okay. He he had moments. He rebounded pretty well, but. Um, defensively, Utah State did not have a ton of answers in the post. Trevin Dorius only played about 14 minutes. Surprised to see him get the start in the first place. Um, would not mind seeing some uh, some Zeman Zapala uh, this season, and I think we will moving forward. Was kind of surprised that we didn't see him here. Um, but the, the, the post defense was, I think, just about the only thing from this game that I was really kind of not taken aback by, but uh, disappointed with for Utah State. I thought the rest was pretty good. I thought they shot the ball pretty well. The flow of the offense was was generally good. That that brings me to the thing I wanted to talk about in the second the second stretch uh, was that before that run that ended the game. Uh, where they were playing lockdown defense, Utah Valley constricted the 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 deficit pretty severely. It was a four point game at one point. It was fifty five fifty one. Cut it, cut it down from down like 15, down 13, I think, uh, in the span of a couple minutes. And and the thing that really impressed me there was the way that Utah State answered in that moment because the offense was not flowing especially well. I'm, I'm going to pull up the actual – I've got my physical 
paper score, paper scorekeeping, uh, which is how I like to do things, which makes for bad podcasting, but what are you going to do? Um, yeah, in the stretch here from 1448, Utah State led 4835. Um, Utah Valley cut it down to seven. And then it's a uh, it was a it was a Sean Barristow floater uh, that that put Utah State back up by nine, and that was off a two man game. It was a I think it was a pick and roll, and and he he just made something happen there. Um, and then Utah Valley cuts the score to six fifty three forty seven. Max Schulga runs one of those uh, one of those pick and rolls. It's a it was a it was a pick and roll into a step back jumper. I think from the corner. Uh, beautiful play. Like I said, he tweet I tweeted it out. It was a really really fantastic shot. Um, two man game pick and roll. It's going to be important. I'm going to keep saying two man game. Um, Next up, 55-51, four-point game. Like I said, Utah State responds with a uh, Stephen Ashworth two-pointer right outside the paint. It was off of a pick and roll. He he, he rolled. He he ran off the the pick, kind of curled back inside, hit a mid-range. Um, you have here later on right, with a with a six-point lead. He's cut back down to five after a free throw, and Max Schulga hits another step-back jumper again off of a pick and roll. Um, out of that, Utah Valley is not able to get an answer. It goes to a media timeout. Dan Atkin has the alley-oop layup, um, and then Taylor Funk hits a turnaround jumper, uh, comes back down to seven before Ryland Jones hits a three, at which point the game kind of spirals for Utah Valley. Um, but the thing in all of that that was important to me that I wrote about and it stood out and I think is really valuable here, and I, I asked... I asked Ryan Odom about this, and he he cut me off before I even finished the question because he he agreed. He knew what I was. He knew where I was headed with it, and he was he was on board, um, which is always nice. Just as an aside, as a as a thing that none of you would would have any experience with unless you're a journalist. But um, always nice when they beat you to the question because they already know what you're going to say, uh, and they they like uh, the the coaches like agree with it. They understand what you're getting at uh, before you even say it. Always good. It makes you it makes you feel smart. It makes you feel like you know what you're talking about. Um, so I, uh, I I appreciated that, but. I asked about, you know, offense kind of wasn't wasn't in a great state at this point. Utah Valley was able to, to kind of surge back. Utah State had had uh, stagnated a bit offensively. The the movement was not what it was. It seemed like there was a bit of fatigue setting in. It happens at that stage in the game a lot. You'll see a lot of leads dwindle from the, you know, uh, I, I would say like the, the eight or nine minutes between the 15-minute the mark and the, the about the seven-minute mark. You'll see a lot of leads dwindle in the second half there because the team that's trailing still has a lot of energy because they're trying to make up ground. The team that's leading is going to be they get tired a lot. It's just you, you'll you'll see it. You see it all the time in college basketball. That if you're going to lose a lead, that's usually the time you're going to do it. And that Utah State was able to stare that down. That offensive stagnation. This is a team that really likes to move the ball around. Really likes to have a high assist rate. Had one in this game for the most part. Um, they could come in here in that in that spot and get ten points off of you know, individual effort, basically pick and roll. And it was not pick and roll with a pass. It was pick and roll setting up somebody and they make a shot. They create a shot. They make one for themselves and they knock it down. Max Schulga did it twice. Sean Barristow did it twice. 
you know, you, you, that Stephen Ashworth did it once. Taylor Funk did it once out of that stretch. So I guess it's actually 12. Um, he, he did it. It was not on a pick and roll, but he did it on a, uh, on a, on a turnaround, I think, uh, if I'm remembering correctly. I think it was a turnaround jumper in the like, mid-range, like close mid-range. But regardless, the Utah State had the guys capable of doing that, that they stepped into that, that role and they handled it. When Utah State needed some tough baskets, they had guys who just went and did it, is great news. Great news. They need it. They need that. They absolutely need that. They need the shot creators. They need, you know, the flow of the offense is fantastic. It's great. It's really fun to watch when they're moving the ball around well. It creates really good shots. It makes things easier on everybody. It's great. The design of the offense is very strong. I really like watching them play. But sometimes it's not going to work. Sometimes you you need just you just need somebody who makes shots. You just need a bucket getter. And I think Max Shulga can absolutely be that guy. He is difficult to guard off the dribble. Difficult to guard off the dribble. He's so quick. He's very strong and he's very quick. It seems like he's also hitting shots, which is very scary if you're defenders cuz he can't be a good shooter on top of how athletic he is. That's There's no guarding him if he can do that. If he's knocking down mid-range, if he's knocking down threes, man, I don't know what you do about him. If Sean Barristow's knocking down mid-range, knocking down threes, it's the same thing. I don't know what you do about him. Those are guys who can do that for you. Those are guys who can operate outside of the bounds of the offense and contribute points when you need them, when, you, when nothing else is working. When you're, you know, shots aren't falling, whatever it is, things aren't going your way, momentum feels like it's against you, the crowd is, is struggling, the crowd is willing you, trying to get back into it, feels like everything's just not going right. You need somebody who can take the ball, call for a pick or not, isolate, and just go make a shot. Just go make a shot. Make a play. It's, you know, it's not the prettiest thing in the world. Unless, unless, you know, Max Schulg is doing it, at which point it's pretty, it's pretty dang pretty watching that kid play basketball. But it, it has to happen. You've got to be able to do it. You have to have guys you can rely on, you, you can turn to for those kind of plays. And in this game, Utah State did. And they, they, I think you, you have to be very pleased with that and very excited about what that could mean moving forward because that was not always the case last season. Justin Bean certainly was was able to score whenever he wanted to, and Brandon Horvath certainly had his had his moments of that as well. But a guy who's going to just take you off the dribble from the top of the key, just just take the ball up the court like Shulga did, and take you to the hoop or take you to the corner and hit a mid range. You know, it, it's it's valuable. It is. It's valuable. And I think that it's going to help the offense from stagnating as it moves into this season, which is really really big news for this uh for this offense because that is sort of the thing with these systems that are so well designed and so predicated on ball movement is that when they don't work they really don't work (laughs) they really really don't work and you have to have guys who can break with break from the system and make plays without um the the comparison i would make i've said this before i think on the podcast honestly uh talking about the air force game is kind of like a good triple option quarterback for those of you not familiar with this concept, the best triple option quarterbacks, think about the guys you've seen at Air Force this year, Hazik Daniels. Think about the guys you've seen at, at Navy, you know, watching Keenan Reynolds play, watching Malcolm Perry play. They, they, they've, they've all, all of the service academies have had this kind of guy every now and then. The, the best kind of, of triple option quarterback is one who can make plays 
outside of the boundaries of the offense, who can break free of the system, who can break free of four-yard gains and get you 60 one time, get you 60 a couple times per game, get you, get you 40, get you 30, whatever it might be, who can make plays without the system. And it's the same thing for this kind of offense. It's the same thing for this sort of this, this uh, you know, half-court, passing the ball around, a lot of ball movement, a lot of motion, a lot of picks, a lot of, a lot of off-ball screens, things like that. It's all great. I love watching it. It's really, really fun to watch. But sometimes you need somebody who can hit shots. You just need somebody who can take the ball one-on-one and beat a defender and put the ball in the basket. And Utah State had that here, and they won the game because of it. They won the game because of defense. They won the game because of rebounding, whatever you want to say. But ultimately, this game gets out of hand if not for those guys stepping up and making shots. It does. They lose the lead. If those guys are not stepping up making shots, I don't know if they lose the game, but they certainly would not have been in the position that they were in if not for the reliable shot making of Sean Barstow, of Max Schulga in, in, in one place, of, of Stephen Ashworth, and another of Taylor Funk. They need that from those guys, and they got it here. I think it was a really good win, impressive win, one that checked a lot of boxes. And on that note, I will see you all for the preview.